bandwidth for this week in photography is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This Week in Photography is sponsored by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip for a free downloadable book. This week on the show, plugins for Aperture, one last dip into HDRI, and super big prizes for the Flickr contest right here on This Week in Photography, number 22. Welcome to This Week in Photography. It is a great week. We are here at the Podango Studios in beautiful Dogpatch, San Francisco. And it's a great week because three of the cast members are in the same room. I believe this is some sort of world record. We only attained this record in our first show uh, (laughs) when we started with everybody on the stage. Uh, Alex Lindsay is here from the Pixel Core, and I'm Scott Bourne, and and we're sort of the mad captains of this little enterprise with assistance from none other than people like Frederick Johnson, who's in the house. I am in the house. You're no longer at Adobe staring at airplanes coming at your building directly with like a line of sight thing right for your window. Absolutely, although that is kind of fun. And one of the main reasons I'm up here, got to tell you, Scott, is one of my coworkers uh, down at Adobe said, you know, I've been listening to those, those This Week in Photography episodes, and through Skype, you sound like you have a lisp. <laughs> <laughs> so I jumped my, my uh, self in the car and drove all the way up here for, to record in the studio. Look at that. Just to prove I, he just, that Fred Johnson does not nope. have a lisp. I don't want to be sending the wrong message. Well, we're glad you're here. And... Uh, <laughs> It's a little bit longer drive uh, for our next our next guest to come up. One so. of these days I will do that. Ron Brinkman's here from Hermosa Beach, California, which is a lot more than 60 minutes away. How are you doing, Ron? But if I sound like I have a lisp, I may have to come up there, too. No, you're in the clear. I'm starting to hear a lisp. I know. You know, it's, it's, it's subtle, Ron, but I, I really think you're going to have to correct that. Actually, you don't it's sound a cold. like... I've got a cold. You don't, <laughs> you don't sound like you have a lisp, but you do sound like you have a limp. <laughs> Anyway, um, we've got an that exciting... That periodic pumping sound you hear when I pace the room? That's it. <laughs> we got an exciting show for you today. We're going to talk about uh, the usual stuff. We're going to get to some news, but I do want to remind everybody that this will probably be the last time I say this on air. Uh, this month, we are having a contest. If you link to us from your blog or your website, you could win a year's free training at lynda.com. We're always going to have a contest like this. I'm not kidding anybody, but if you want this prize... This particular prize, which is worth about 375 bucks, here's where the training at lynda.com. Give us a link. We will be checking our referral stats. We'll pick one at random. You must be 18 years of age to play. And, of course, void where prohibited by law. I've always wanted to say that. I think most of the stuff that I do is prohibited by law. I'm so pretty I'm sure of that. <laughs> Let's get to the news. Aperture 2.1 SDK creates a buzz. And DV Garage is already there. There. What could that possibly mean? They released, uh, well, so for listeners, you know, I have this other company called DV Garage. And, and uh, I just want to point out that Apple released the SDK on one day, and then we released a, po- a plug-in on the next day. So it was... Uh, you guys it, are quick. We're that fast. We're that yeah. fast. So we, of course, what we do is we, um, we do a lot of green screen yeah. and a lot of video green screen. And print green screen for us is actually a lot easier because we have more pixels. It's not as... Uh, it's not 422. It's not all this other stuff that we usually have to dig through. And so we were really excited about 
building a green screen plugin. Now we're, we're working on the next uh, plugin we're working on is HDR toner, which is going to be an HDR component mm. for um, for aperture. And uh, and but the first one that was the easiest one for us to kind of start playing with the aperture SDK was um, was a green screen one because we have all the technology kind of sitting right in front of us. And so what it does, it's just designed for you to be able to. Um, easily composite if you shoot someone in front of a green screen uh you can easily composite them uh with any kind of background that you'd like did you bring my copy with you i, I i'll email it to you it's not i, I forgot okay, it's i been didn't three days now we don't have physical copies so i'm, I'm um, waiting three days for this sorry sorry yeah. we go I back all the guys on the show busy. might be interested in checking that out alex yeah no we'll uh, we'll definitely get it to uh, to all of the the hosts here, awesome. I mean, including me, including you. <laughs> Even Fred will get it. Now, wait a, a minute. Why, a would, why would Fred want to come? Fred may or may not have Aperture on his computer. I, I've had Aperture running on my computer since the day of launch. Yeah. So, so we'll. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it is. Uh, uh, we really spend a lot of time trying to make it easy to use. You know. So um, it, it it works very very fast. One of the great things about. Uh, the SDK for for two point one is that it's just it's basically just cocoa sitting inside of you know we can write anything inside of uh, Aperture so we can you know even though there's some people have talked about the limitation of you know we get a photo and then we send it back to Aperture but in some ways that's freeing for us because we're not tied into something um, you know we can just do whatever we want and send back whatever we want which means that we're going to be able to do things like we think. Uh, very soon, we're going to be able to release Conduit so that you have basically a mini shake built into Aperture. Now, wait a minute. A mini shake is not cool. a small milkshake. A mini shake is a program like Shake that's smaller. Well, it's smaller. It doesn't do... I mean, it does... <laughs> I was thinking of a... And I know, need to be careful because... A you know, short Ron, hula dancer or something. You know, Ron, like Ron created <laughs> Shake. So, so the, uh, it's, it's a, it, it is... You know, we don't... There's a ton of stuff that Shake does that we don't do. We do pretty much just the kind of the, the raw composites. You know, I want to grab this, put this together, put these things together. We do a couple... We don't do a lot of the real powerful stuff that you would need in a visual effects firm, but it, it is stuff that, you know, nodal compositing is, once you get hooked on it, it's really hard to get your head around. I was kind of hoping to go through the entire show without hearing the phrase nodal. Nodal! Nodal! <laughs> but I can see that's not about possible. Nodal. Let, let, let so me, anyway, let so me ask you, this is really important. I've got to ask you this, Alex. This is relative to your specific SDK knowledge and aperture. Yes. Isn't it th- theoretically heavy emphasis on that word true that you could like almost run photoshop within the sdk well you could and, and the thing that's more <laughs> <laughs> you guys are lobbing them over the fence and i'm just like my tongue so, my, my lower lip is bleeding from biting it so hard <laughs> so the, so the Wait, uh, no, no. Can, can you run lightroom from within <laughs> there you go there you go. That's even better. No, no. So, so the the um, uh, the thing that that I think is I think we're going to see. I, I hope we see um, in, in inside of the aperture one is I think that the the two players that are most likely going to package something that's really scary into aperture are either Pixelmator or Acorn. You know, these are two cocoa based photo editing applications um, that are uh, that. It doesn't seem like it would take much work to have a plugin where you grab onto the image and you hit boom and you're open up in Pixelmator and you're able to sit there and do all the do all the editing and then send it all back and, and they're they're you know they're already inexpensive applications and so uh, you know a fifty dollar plugin that does a lot of work uh, would be very interesting so I, I think that I think we're going to see a lot of it anybody who's already doing a lot of Cocoa development is going to be very it's going to be very easy for them to to just simply pump 
pump stuff into uh, Aperture. And what I'm hoping is that Apple is going to take what they're what's coming out of it because we're not the only ones. Tiffin is uh, doing a Tiffin brand of the DFX plugin, which is fantastic. Um, Power Stroke is doing stroke based interface uh, for targeted adjustments. Uh, light is going to be able to add light, you know shadow and light patterns. Uh, ozone uh, for uh, color man- man- manipulation. So there's a lot of other plugins coming. And, um, and it would be, uh, I, I think that hopefully with this success, with things moving forward, we're going to see more Apple apps become much more of an open area and, uh, possibly some, uh, <sighs> Adobe apps, maybe, um, you know, <laughs> making things, make it a little easier on us, but, uh, sorry, can I geek out for a second with you? Yes. So where does, you know, the, the typical workflow inside Aperture is always it's a non-destructive kind of thing. So you dial in a bunch of values and you can go back and change one at the earliest part of the chain. Where does this end up sitting in the in the chain of events? I mean, right. is it so? This is not this is is a destructive process. <coughs> other than it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't do any damage to the original images. It it is um, so what it it does is we get the file. You know, it's basically the same way Photoshop works. With Photoshop, what happens is, is we're we're past the file. And um, and then we pass it back to Photoshop, and, and, and in the same way here, we're past the the file with Aperture, and then we pass that back to the um, uh, you know done with whatever we want, which which required us to put some new stuff into the plugin, like being able to repo, uh, reposition um, the uh, foreground, blur the background, um, do a bunch of stuff to make sure that you could really finish the composite um, within. Uh, um, uh, within within the plugin, so before before it's sent back to Aperture, and that that is that is some you know a lot of us are getting hooked on, especially because we do nodal stuff. Um, a lot of us get hooked on the idea that oh everything should always be re-editable and all this other stuff. Um, uh, the one thing that I have to say is that that it while it would be nice to be able to have uh, the ability to do stuff where we can go back when you as soon as you start having that backwards compatibility, it's it's going to make I think it's going to make our job as plugin is going to be exciting for in some respects but it's also going to make our job harder yeah um, clearly it's going to be a lot more complex and a lot more plug- is, yeah. in some cases limiting because we can't you know we can't do this because we can't do that and we can't do this because there's some things that are destructive when we when we when we go through this process and so um so i think that uh it's not i i'm i'm, I'm going to be excited to build stuff that that is that does have backwards you know that we can move things back and forth that are that are um, continually edible, but I, I think that there's a lot that we can do by just handing us a, a cocoa um, piece and be sending us files and having us send them back. Uh, I actually think that's a great format for us, especially to be to start with. Um, and uh, and I think that uh, you know we're really uh, I think that it would take us a lot longer to build plugins for Aperture if. I had to work through all of the stuff that was required to make sure that it was continually edible. I don't think it, yeah. I don't think that's going to be trivial. I think that um, you know when we see it in other applications where we can where we can make those adjustments. I think that it's going to take a little bit of uh, time for us to get our head around uh, in the same way. So. Um, I think it, there are extreme advantages to being able to re-edit stuff. I mean, when you look at the stuff that you can do with light, you know, some of the Lightroom stuff and everything else, uh, there are extreme advantages. And I'm hoping that somewhere down the road, Apple lets us do both. Um, but that would require layers or something like that. Well, it would just require. I mean, it just requires changing the way you interact with the images. Um, mm-hmm. So that what we're doing is we're setting up an instruction set instead of a. Do you remember when layers came out in Photoshop? 
you know, I remember, I remember layers and I, and I, I went to a David B. Edney and Burt Monroy were doing this course on, on layers, you know, understanding three point Photoshop 3.0. And I, I talked to a lot of photographers that were I mean, a lot of Photoshop folks, all four of us, I think at the time, um, that, uh, were like, I don't know what you do with layers. I don't know why you use them, you know? And, and, uh, <laughs> now I can't even imagine not mm-hmm. having them. Well, it's even, it, it gets you into don't the, need layers if you have nodes, by the way. Now yeah. quit it with the nodes. <laughs> you and the nodes. You cannot say the word nodes for the well, rest of this show. All I'm saying is that I, can't i am dying for you know conduit sitting inside of inside of aperture okay because okay. it's uh it's nodal you guys have heard nodal, my brain nodal love <laughs> for those of you who have not had your brain turned to jello we have other mm-hmm. photography news Ryko releases the durable outdoor sports camera at least that's what they say it's called the g600 and that doesn't matter because they'll have the g601a stroke nine or five by tomorrow but it's uh one of the things that's interesting is dust proof with no protruding lens and tolerates a five-foot drop now what's really interesting is it's only available in the uk and ireland initially so does that mean that they think folks over there are more likely to drop a camera than in the united states it all has to do with the weather ah (laughs) here you go and and by the way you can't shoot outdoors in either of those countries unless you have a weatherproof camera spoken by ron brinkman send your email to him not me (laughs) yeah well i I think ron has been to those places i'm sure i think that obviously what these guys are looking at is the mill what they call the mill standard the 810f you know the the thing of all this can be dropped from five feet you see a lot of laptops can be dropped from five feet Mm-hmm. cameras that can be dropped from five feet other things that can be dropped from five feet the reason is is because the military that's what they require is it needs to be able to be dropped from, from five feet and so this one's gonna be a little more expensive and like every guy that they need to have a camera is gonna buy something like this you know yeah but drop from five feet onto what kind of surface usually it's concrete it's it, it, it's actually not measured in, in a water height. bed <laughs> exactly i think it's 28 waiting hands i want to say it's <laughs> and i don't know this number but i thought it was something like 28 g's or something like that it's, it's actually the it's it's the it's the g's that it's actually paying attention to not so much the the um the g's that it can take not the height on impact. the height yeah on impact because mm-hmm. um, i know that's same with the the new maxell uh hard drives are the same way i also want to want to say uh, congratulations to strobist we apparently are a little bit smarter than usa today because we profiled them as a twip side of the week before usa day usa today ever heard of them. of course it's possible that usa uh-huh, today uh-huh, uh-huh. heard of them via our show i think that's the case that's but, my story uh, i'm sticking to it but Scoop. uh you know, they got some props from uh, USA Today. And, um, and um, you know, so... People they, can't see you actually doing the scooping motion. Yeah, I'm, making the sound, I'm making the sound, though. You know, I will say what's interesting about this. Now, you know, we're on track this month to do at least half as many page views as they have. And we're only four months old. They're screwed. You're in an awful mood. <laughs> Alex just boils it down to the salt. You know, none of those commentary crabbies, they're screwed. <laughs> you had a comment, Ron? Well, uh, just in the article, they mentioned that he says he's pulling in six figures on his site. So, um, whoa, Ron, I better Ron give that guy know, a call. Yeah, Ron wants well, to know where the check is. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, I haven't even tried to sell a blog ad yet, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very, I'm going to have to reconsider given that news. Let's, let's move on. Strobus is a, fa- by the way, it's, it's a, a fan- good site. Fantastic. Well, we site. said that yeah, in yeah, episode yeah, eight. Exactly. Amazing. And if you're, if you're, if just to repeat, if you're not looking at it, you should. Yeah. It changed how I look at SB24s. 
Yeah, but you know, the SB23s, they were almost as good. Almost. 23, 24, uh, whatever it takes. Let's move on. Uh, I will just very briefly mention the Nikon D3 has had its 715th firmware upgrade in the last two days. um, (laughs) He's just kidding, Nikon. uh, uh, We'll talk about our side of the week now. Um, We we pick a side of the week. We've gotten a lot of suggestions from you, but... uh, one person did suggest this outside of the staff here, but I have to say, I've just recently found this site. I know it's been around a while, but, you know, I'm kind of busy. I don't necessarily get to read everything. I found JPEG Magazine. That's JPG Magazine. And we're going to name that the website of the week. It is really cool. Mm-hmm. You can submit a photo there, and the community votes on it. Now, the, the community vote, contrary to popular belief, does not necessarily determine what gets into the magazine, but it helps. Mm-hmm. If you get a lot of votes to the positive, the editors will see the, the picture. And they actually do a print magazine. Um, they do it bi-monthly. That would be six times a year, for those of you who flunked math. And, and they, it's a beautiful magazine, and the images are incredible. Are. But I really like the community that's going on there. I actually wrote my first article for them on 10 Tips for Bird Photography. I submitted a bird image to be considered for their... You critter. submitted an image? I did. Where is it? Where can people find it? Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. People, Thank you. People need to vote on Scott's image. Yeah. Vote it to the top. Vote it to the top. Don't... And, uh, and, do whatever you want. Yeah. Look at the other photos, Cons- but vote on Scott's <laughs> image. Exercise free will, as long as that free will is involves Scott Moore. <laughs> I had nothing to do with this, people, I promise. <laughs> but the reason... Here's, here's what I like about it. Every one of our audience would probably enjoy the exposure... That that you get from this because if you get published in this you get a credit you can say hey I've been published you get paid which by the way don't ever say you've been published if you didn't get paid because that doesn't count they pay you a hundred bucks they give you a free year subscription and uh, it's it's a good clip it's good exposure so I highly recommend that all of our listeners submit an image now they do require it to be very high res JPEG that means not a 72 DPI JPEG but a 300 DPI JPEG at least 2200 pixels wide submit your image and send us email or talk about it on the forums when you've done that so the entire community, we can support each other and go take a look at everybody's photos and vote them up. And, you know, Scott, I'm, I'm surprised that you didn't know about JPEG. You know they're literally right around the corner from here. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, you could throw a rock to their offices from here. You really? Did, you didn't right know that the San Jose Sharks were across the street from you playing in the I Stanley knew, Cup. So, I you knew know. it was coming. I knew it was coming. I did know they were there, but what's the Stanley Cup thing? Get out of my face. <laughs> Stop <laughs> Canadians. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so that's our website, Pick of the Week, JPEG Magazine. We'd love to hear from you and see what you think because, you know, sometimes our brains get sore or we're busy and we don't have time to pick everything without your help. So go up to Delicious, delicious.com, and tag it with Twip Ideas. Give us your suggestions there or visit the blog, visit the blog, visit the blog, twipphoto.com. And remember to vote on Stop Scott's it. image. <laughs> Send us your suggestions for the website of the week, and it can even be your website. It's okay with us. If it's a good one, we'll talk about it. Obviously, we can't talk about everything we see, but uh, go to the blog and send us an email from there or do it on Delicious. We'd love to hear from that. Now, we got the Flickr challenge going. We have a winner. We have picked a winner. The last challenge was animals, and that's, of course, very fitting because that's the JPEG theme that that I submitted to, but um, the winner here... Oh my gosh, this photograph just stunned me. It stunned me. It's called Remus in Water, and it's by S. 
Schlackman. I'm sorry. Schlackman. Schlackman. And, and uh, the runner-up was not titled. It, uh, it was a picture of two birds in flight, very nicely done by Maurice Moore. I really love these two photos. I thought they were both very compelling. We gave them the, our thumbs up. And Remus in Water, the winner, um, Mr. Schlackman, you get a copy of my book, 88 Secrets to Photoshop for Photographers, if you just send me your address. And, and, and i just like to say that outside of the, the, the great photo um, of, the, of the dog, there's uh, in, in uh, Mr. Schlackman. He's got an incredible portfolio. The portfolio is really... The, the, now, if, and by the way, if you're one of those people that says, what do you mean when you say photographic style? Yeah. Look at Schlackman's portfolio. Because yeah. this dude, you can tell any picture this guy took. Yeah. Or, or she took, because S could be yeah, Sally. S. Yeah. yeah. You could tell any picture this person took from the other. I mean, you would say, you would recognize that as their work, because this person has a very defined style, very, very um, elevated and refined and developed style. Yeah. Did you get a chance to look at the pictures, Ron? Yeah, yeah. Beautiful stuff. I'm looking at it right now, too. Yeah. And, uh, amazing, worth, amazing yeah. work. Like We're on the photographer's name, uh, once you look at the, the prize winner, yeah. you see a lot of other stuff. Yeah, there's great stuff happening there. So that's the winner. Now, every two weeks, we run one of these challenges. And by the way, hundreds and hundreds of people submitted this last time. And we have occasionally gotten complaints, um, guys, from people that don't understand Flickr's tagging system. So we've now made this easy. We've created our third, yes, our third Flickr forum. We have one on critiques, one on general discussion around photography, and now we've got a contest form. So just drop them in the pool there. I can't make it any easier than that. Just and, drop it in the pool. And by the way, it is Steve uh, Schleckman. Okay, thank you. Uh, you, you. You drop the photo in the pool. If you want to be considered, our next challenge is the color red. And don't send me emails saying, well, Scott, can it be a red? I already told you. Yeah, I'm not going to give you any more information. It's up to you to determine how you like the color red. Sometimes we've had very, very cool interpretations of our theme that went well beyond our expectations. We're hoping that you'll be the one that does that here. Anything that you think refers to the color red, that makes it cool. you got two weeks. You can put stuff up around the color red after, but we won't consider it for the contest. You win one of our books. Um, Ron, would you kick down one of your fancy books maybe sometime? Yeah, absolutely. The, the second edition is supposedly showing up. It's like literally on the boat over from China. So we'll okay. wait until I can. I, I can. I'll sweeten editions. that pot with a, a copy of um, DP Matt for Aperture. DP Matt for right. Aperture. Cool. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in and sweeten that with a uh, Lightroom. <laughs> Look at that! Holy moly! This has become serious now. This is well, everyone messing around. Down. Yeah, yeah. I'm and I'm down. giving away my car. <laughs> <laughs> a new car. <laughs> Bob Barker was behind door number two. A brand new car. <laughs> okay, so you get DP Matt. You get a copy of DP one Matt, of yeah. DP Matt. We get a copy of uh, one of our, my books or somebody's books. Uh, maybe Ron's will be here by then. We'd rather have that because it's really cool. And uh, Fred's throwing in a copy of Lightroom. This may be the most valuable. Twip contest ever. And we'll just keep on up in the ante. Yeah, who knows? We you know, we might give away a new car. You know, if we got serious, I bet we could we could we could really let's go to GM and see what it. they'd like to give away a All free right. car. There you go. All right. Ne- ne- the next one we're gonna, okay. we're gonna we'll really see what we can do. Pull out the stops. Uh, by the way, please do join the Flickr group. Almost four thousand members. And we'd like to have you over there. It's a very friendly group because we make it friendly. We don't let anybody post nasty stuff. By gosh, the great thing is I almost never, ever have to do anything about it, nasty stuff, because it doesn't show up. So I appreciate it. Uh, we have 1,400 members in the Critique Forum. And we just started the, the brand new 
pool that most people don't know about, the contest one. So jump in. A little bit more and more piece of business before we get to our very special guest. And I'm going to turn the mic over to Alex for that. Um, We did our poll. We said, what's your favorite subject? And not much of a surprise to me that the winner is nature. Uh, Nature is a very popular subject in the photographic world and uh, followed very closely, of course, by people. And everything else was pretty much and also ran travel, had the most respectable showing there at at third. So, um, you know, it's it's cool to see what everybody, what do you you guys think? It's kind of cool to see what everybody likes to take pictures of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I fit right into that. I I looked at it and I was like, well, I mostly shoot pictures of people and travel. Yep. So that's uh, and a little. Or I bit thought you were going to tell me that five point seven percent of your photographs are macro. I don't shoot that many macro, okay. <laughs> so you don't quite fit right in. There. No, Ron, did anything there surprise you? Uh, no, you know I am I, seeing sports down pretty low. I think is probably uh, typical, just because uh, you don't have the access to sports that you usually do. Although I don't know, it's about what I would expect, I guess. Yeah. Well, our our next poll is already up, and I just want to make this very clear. (laughs) I want this to be as crystal clear as I can. I had nothing to do with this. This is Alex Lindsay's suggestion. This is his deal. Send your cards and letters to him with your complaints about the show format. I won't be responding to them. (laughs) And you know what? Neither will I. In in fact, there is a special special link where Joe's brother is dumped on. I mean, Alex's brother Joe is dumped on, and and, uh, that's on the blog. If you want to complain about the show format, click that link. But do respond to the poll and tell us <laughs> and, how you listen to Don't worry, to the that show. link goes into this. There's this, <laughs> no, this sh- hole that, that sh- link just goes. Stop it. <laughs> so we, we want so to then, know how you listen to the show. Yeah, so what we want to know is like what you're listening to it on. Are you listening to it? Do you link to it on pixelcore.tv? Uh, do you listen to it on a Zoom? Do you listen on iTunes, iPod, other? We know from, from our stats, we have a pretty good idea where people are at least downloading it um, through iTunes. Uh, it's about 96% of the listeners. And so that could um, be kind of because we force them to, but you know. <laughs> so the, um, <laughs> hey, they, they come. So uh, anyway, so it's. Uh, um, What's, you know, should we, are we at liberty to share our downloads? I've recently posted our blog stats. Our, our, our downloads are, um, um, they are roughly about between thirty-five and forty thousand a show, yeah, and about uh, around two hundred thousand a month. Then. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so it's, it actually turns out to be more because uh, we actually run typically um, between uh, uh, two and four hundred thousand a month, or two and five hundred thousand a month. Because it depends on how many of the videos we put on. I see. And um, and also because people are still downloading the old ones. So, like you know, I, yeah. people are the, the aperture one. Uh, uh, that I, that the little video that I did about aperture or whatever is teaching someone how to use the app, not not the software, but what an aperture yeah, the, is. The, on a the two of the discussion we had about aperture, and then the following video are the two biggest ones, and they're they're kind of just keep on growing. You know, Alex so, so, is a rock star. Well, I mean, it, the, the main thing is is that it just shows that people are really interested in these in these straightforward, now, simple things about all these issues, which we have to you know, which so, we're, we're digging into. So Fred's second video isn't the most popular. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Oh, that's because he hasn't put it up yet. As well, you recall, you know, technically those, there we, are two videos that I've done that are on my site at Frederick Van. But that, they weren't put into the us. feed. What's that got to do with that? I'm giving Joe the the files so he can put them okay, in the feed. All right, we got to put them in the feed because the so feed. We, they, we received so, some sort of promise from you last week. I am, you know, and I'm going to up that ante. The, <laughs> yeah, I'm this is, it. This just, down, I have to go above and beyond every time I do. This just made me a little bit nervous for our listeners who think they're getting a copy of Lightroom. 
Hey, I have serial numbers right here on this computer. Right yeah, yeah, the the uh, um, and we also have one we shot with Ron and, at NAB. So we're gonna okay. uh, of his of his. So uh, we do have some in between stuff coming. But yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna put. I think we're gonna we should be able to get Ron's up next week. Um, so that's uh, just his camera bag. In fact, we got to do that for everybody. Okay, um, yeah, it's like a, open your. It was really oh, cool. great. It was yeah. really great. Like open up your camera bag and show it. And let we'll me guess. Inside Ron's camera bag were actually little nodal things. There were. <laughs> Filled with nodes and noodles. It's really funny. It's 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 like I, I was really surprised. He connects his nodes to these with these little eighth inch like headphone jacks. You know, and he just connects them. And evidently, it was really funny. He put he put a color correction node on, and the whole room changed purple. <laughs> Ron, your whole world has got to. You see it as nodes, like Neo in the Matrix, right? My brain. I have man. a home node, a car node. <laughs> All right, let let, let 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 me rescue our audience from what's become the most insane twip. I have absolutely, absolutely, by the way, I have absolutely no idea what's going on. You should have beer in here next time. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, this is, if you listen to all of our, sh- I, Christian That's is our guest. You get three we, of you in a room. We, we need to explain to Christian that if he listens to all of the other podcasts, he'll find this one completely <laughs> remarkably different, but uh, and, we'll hopefully, and, and, and oddly better. And, and we'll try to bring things back to where we're supposed to be. I'm going to turn it over to Alex to interview Christian Block, and Christian is kind of famous. He's, he's done stuff on like, like Star Trek and other stuff. Yes. Hi, Christian. Are you there? Yes. Hey. He didn't leave. Thank you. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't (laughs) run off. Christian, can you give us a little of your background? Um. Well, I came over from Germany to like seven years ago. I'm living in Hollywood, work at Eden Effects, and we're doing mainly. I'm actually a 3D artist. Uh huh. 3D and 2D compositing, pretty much everything in one. Right. And yeah, we're working mostly for TV. And I've been doing this for a while. And excellent. And then you have you you have uh, recently released uh, your book on HDR, right? HDRI. Right. Exactly. And well, I found out that like HDRI became a hot topic in photography, and so it was just kind of time to. I've done I've done a lot of research on this before. Right. Just because I want to use it in three D and CG elements and compositing and. And it's tempted me that there's, there's like so little knowledge or knowledge is scattered all over the web. Right. And every photographer was like thinking around and trying to figure out what's going on there. And I'm like, well, I got all the info right here. So. <laughs> Excellent. It's now, just, um, can you tell, what do you, how do you primarily shoot your HDRs? Um, primarily in auto bracketing on a D200. On a D two hundred, and now the D two hundred will let you do nine exposures. Yes. Are you using all those nine exposures? Uh, most of the time. Yeah. So sometimes it, I just pick like uh, every other exposure. Right. Right. And, and it's, it's it's spread out over five plus or minus five stops. Uh, well, altogether it's like nine stops. Right. Well, plus plus minus four, I think. Right. Right. Because you got the middle one. And then, how are, what are, what tools are you using to combine your HDRs? Um, depending, uh, I'm using a lot of photometrics. Uh-huh. Got it. Uh huh. Got it. And and um, so, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Just because the batch mode is kind of easy. Right. Lately, I'm combining because I do a lot of panorama photography too. Right. So I tend to just 
dump it all into PDGoy and make the panorama out of the bracketed sequences in one swoop. Right. Now, are you, are you working at all with uh, Greg Downing on, on any, any of this? You know, not really. Okay. I know, he's way out there. I mean, doing crazy stuff like gigapixel panoramas. That, like, what was that lately? I think it's like gigapixel <laughs> HDR panoramas. Uh, this is gregdowning.com, by the way. Uh, people can check that yeah. out. But the, uh, um, now, uh, do you do much tonal mapping as well? Um, a lot, yeah, sometimes. I mean... Could you explain See, to people a little bit about how? Like could you explain yeah. to people a little bit about how tonal mapping works? Do you are you from like exactly how it how the process works? Well, the process is pretty much like you use a plugin or a program that right. does that. The idea is that in an HDR you have all those intensity values that go way beyond white and very close to the dark, like in the shadows, and it's very fine data. And but you can't really see that on monitor, so you got to compress that down somehow. Right. Instead of just clipping the whites and clipping the blacks, there's a smarter way to do that. So kind of bring the whites down, so it doesn't look goofy. <laughs> right. And right. kind of combine it into an 8-bit image that you can see on your monitor, or that you can print even. So that's kind of like the photographic application. Now, where do you think? Where do you see HDR going from here? Well, I think it's going to become standard. I, I sure hope it's going to become the standard, at least for image processing, just because it's so much easier and just leaves all the detail and all the... Like, you don't have artifacts, like, from processing so many. Like, things like banding or clipped values. You just well, don't care anymore. And that's, that, that's come a long way, too, because I, I think in the early days when we had the early HDR compilers and, and things that were out there, we really ended up with lots of um, you know, red halos and, and odd banding and, and problems with grain yeah. and, and so on and so forth. But most of that, it seems like, especially with programs like Photomatics, have really, most of that's been pretty much sorted out, would you say? Photomatics has come a long way. I mean, it's... It didn't all. It like the latest trend is also doing uh, exposure combining, mm-hmm. like skipping the HDR entirely. But this is not really my thing because I tend to use the HDR data itself in CG applications as well. Right. right. And I'm just a big fan of it. I mean, the thing is, once you get set up in a full HDR pipeline, and you do your compositing or your uh, all your image editing in floating point data space and everything all of a sudden becomes so much easier. Right, right, because you can really handle the intensities and so on and so forth. Now, the, do you see HDR as something that we're just going to start seeing in a, in a camera? You know, just cameras just taking HDRs? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, basically, raw, the raw images is... The need for raw, as I see it, is that people want to have extra highlight data. Right. I mean, it's basically what people use raw for right so, so being able to get to that next step is really is uh and that's something that we've talked a little bit about on the show and we're pretty excited about and um yeah i think raw is really just more like an intermediate step and everybody's doing their own raw thing and we would be all screwed if there wouldn't be dc raw right that kind of makes raw puts raw into a lot of applications but otherwise 
it's kind of so proprietary and uh, closed and right. not so cool. Right now, are you um, uh, now? Who do you think your your handbook is really designed for? What who are you thinking about when you're writing it? Actually, I was thinking about a lot of my colleagues here at work, right? Because <laughs> they're used to the way that they're that they're dealing with stuff, and they know their way around, and they've always tinkering with HDR, right? But they're not really sure what it is and what's that button that you can click in this tone mapper, and why is that? Does that tone mapper look similar to the other? What's the difference? And yeah, no, I, it's it's uh, when I think of doing content myself, I. I'm oftentimes just thinking of me, <laughs> like what I want to read. So, uh, uh, and, and this is. Well, I thought um, about people that are not reading so much. So it's more like the yeah computer geeks that skip through pages, look at pictures, oh, and then they get hooked, right? And some bit of information, and then they just keep reading on and kind of figure out a background. Because I'm not doing tutorials like hit button here, right. put 25 percent in there. It's kind of bullshit because it doesn't really teach you anything about the background. Why would you put that in there? Right. So I'd rather talk about in general what's the idea behind, what's that algorithm doing without actually giving you a code of algorithm but telling you the idea behind. Right, right, absolutely. So your, uh, your, book, is, um, and, and who, uh, your book is available on Amazon, of course, and uh, lots of other places. It's the, called the HDRI Handbook. And, uh, and we, I, I, for, for those of you who have been listening and uh, to many of our shows talking about HDR, um, this is something that I think uh, it, I'm very excited about it, obviously. We keep on talking about it and to, sometimes to Scott's chagrin. And, uh, and, uh, but I am super excited about it. I think this is a, a, really a future technology that's going to be in everything that was going forward. And I think that this is probably the best book. to, to if, if people are, are, are thinking about, I want to learn more about it. I've, I've played with Photomatics or I played with you know, a couple of the, you know, the challenges that we created um, here uh, um, for TWIP. Uh, I think I think that this is the book for people to jump into. So um, definitely uh, check it out. And uh, Christian, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, it's it a pleasure. Fantastic book. So, uh, and uh, once again, uh, the HDRI handbook. Sorry, I'm glad you like it. No, I think it's fantastic. I mean, it's it's something that it's it, right. Once again, it's the it, the thing is is that you're not gonna. I think the average person doesn't need to know this stuff right now, but I like to to start absorbing it years before I have to actually deal with it on a day to day basis or or you know um, really think about it. And I think that this is really cutting edge uh, stuff that people that our listeners are going to want to pay attention to. You know, you want to stay ahead of that because that way you know you have time to absorb it before you really you're, you're going to find a place where you need it. So um, yeah. hey, anyway, hey, Kristen. Yeah, go ahead, Ron. Yes. Hey, Christian, Ron here. So you're uh, hey, you're Ron. you're teaching a uh, a class at SIGGRAPH on some of this too. I think I saw. Oh yes, indeed. Um, that's like a new thing for at SIGGRAPH. That is oh, not only algorithms going all the way out there, but a professor from the Savannah College of Art and Design, Kurt Witte, he put the class together, and I'm one of the hosts on this. And it's going to be high dynamic range imaging for artists. So, like the Very artist's nice. perspective on how to use stuff and how to get your hands dirty. Very cool. Yeah, for, so for those of cool. yeah, for those of our, our listeners that aren't familiar with SIGGRAPH, it's the annual computer graphics conference. It's it's in LA this year. So, Yay. anybody in the area may want to come by and check that one out. It's in was that uh, early August? Is that right? Yeah, it's like the second week of August. I think they moved it out like one week or or, or something like that. So. Uh, Excellent. 
Yeah, so it's... An excuse to go to L.A. Excuse to go to... I just like it because I... Uh, Seagraph sometimes. I mean, they they were in San Diego last year. This year, they they finally back to L.A. And next year, they're going to like... They're going to New Orleans. I, I get that's fine, but it's like... New Orleans is not the place to be in August. So, um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, so the... Uh, uh, yeah, so that's definitely something to check out if people really want to dig their hands into it. So thanks a lot, Christian. Thank you. By the way, I just want to... I have an update to our prize... Uh, already <laughs> Fred's already retracted his offer yeah yeah Fred <laughs> no no that was I, only good for 10 minutes you know? <laughs> no I while we were on the show I while we were while Scott was pontificating about something I emailed Apple and said hey do you want to do you want to add Aperture to the mix and they said yes oh so okay. now so now we have you have no no this is great because you'll be able to test it you'll be able to test it so it'll be Lightroom and Aperture and a plug-in for 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 aperture and uh, a book from Ron, so now we have. I think. Oh goddamn it! Let me throw in a book as well. Oh, you're gonna throw in a book as well. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it's pile on, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's pile on. You know, soon we're gonna have like a call in center where you can call in for your gift. What prize do you want to give away on on this week of photography? Like WWF. I'm gonna have to hire. A, I'm gonna have to hire a bevy of lawyers just to keep track of this week's prize. <laughs> so we got two books, two applications, and one plug-in. You know, uh, I wanna I wanna make a quick note here uh, this is inside baseball stuff but to our producer aaron aaron be sure that you get all this stuff down because i'll never forget that we i'll never remember we promised all this stuff to somebody it's the most i, I, I think it's like a 700 hundred dollar prize yeah i mean you know and, 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 and by the way and i really want to thank the guys at apple too thanks to they, and thanks and they, to, thank you apple. for reacting very quickly as well thanks so to apple thanks to adobe thanks to everybody but please don't expect this level of prize giving every week no <laughs> If we can keep playing Apple and Adobe off against each other, we yeah. may be able to keep it up. <laughs> Adobe called and said they're going to give away That's a brand that, new I RV. I can imagine the email that Alex just sent off. Guess what Frederick just did? <laughs> I'm telling. I'm telling. You know, you didn't hear it from me, but I would like. I would like to say that I said nothing about what the actual what the other prize was. It okay. was completely out of. Hey, would you like to? And the answer was immediately. Yep, we'd love to help. So uh, thank so, you very so, much. So, so I think. Uh, so we'll, and then we'll get everybody into a subscription plan for. And we, for we got we, got, we have one more free gift available to each and every one of our listeners, Alex. And that's a free gift for everyone? Everyone. Because our very everyone. generous sponsor, Audible.com, from, from whom we really you know, gather much support, they've decided to offer a very special gift to our listeners. If you're a TWIP listener and you would like a free downloadable book with no obligation, you can go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash TWIP. And get a free download. We appreciate Audible support. Did you know they got more than 45,000 titles? Obviously, we're a photography show. We can't always pick a photography book. But we've picked a book this week that we're going to suggest to you called Super Crunchers by Michael Kramer that you might be interested in. Here's why. This is all about numbers. Numbers and more numbers. Now, th- this guy has gotten this incredible book where he's broken down how people like Google and Amazon know your taste better than you, how football coaches can figure out which players are going to be really good without ever seeing them play, how the price of an airline ticket can change minute by minute based on yields and loads. And you can bet that all the camera manufacturers use these same kinds of studies to figure out what they think you want in a camera. It's it's all about the equation versus the experience. And the author talks about how this stuff is all done 
to help us, not necessarily manipulate us. Now, I, that's a controversial view. <laughs> um, they, they, it, the book says, gone are the days of solely relying on intuition to make decisions. No business person, consumer, student, or a photographer wants to stay ahead of the curve should make another keystroke without listening to super crunchers. So that's our pick of the week right here on TWIP. I have another suggestion. What would that be? It has nothing to do with photography. Okay. I am listening to um, a, a, a book right now called The Spartans. You're, that, but you've been listening Still? to that for nine months. It's a big book. <laughs> it's a big book. We were talking about it on Mac it's Break like Weekly. It's at least an hour long. Does it happen in real time, Alex? You know, it does. I keep on doing it. I'm just, I just wanted to say it because I like okay, it so much. Okay, the Spartans. Much. It's another pick of the week. I've been listening to it over and over and over again because I'm slowly absorbing all the information. I mean, I, admittedly, admittedly, keeping up with the names is kind of like reading Leviticus. But, it's, uh, but over the, overall, it's, it's a really, really good book, and I would highly suggest it. I'm right. telling everyone What's it about? It's so yeah, yeah, let's, not wait, let's not be piling on with any more book picks here. It's the Spartans. Okay. It's, 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 it's basically, I saw, here's what happened was, I saw 300. Yeah. And then I... Uh, um, Spartacus I versus Greece. Yeah. Well, no. Oh, so well, it's, it's literally about. Spartans. It's just about the Spartans. Oh, okay. It's like it's like all the stuff you know about the Spartans is not mostly not true. And oh, because like, the movie was completely factual. Well, because right? movies are always factional, factional, <laughs> factional, factional. Factual. Probably more factual. accurate than factual. <laughs> so, so I got interested because three hundred, and then I downloaded it. I tried. To, I downloaded it from iTunes, and then somehow got lost in, in iTunes in the iTunes world. So then I downloaded it again from Audible, um, and uh, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, and it was. It, it's just. It's fascinating, um, and uh, and it, it's one of those things that that's like my like twenty minutes of my day when I'm in the cable car. And it's very. It's, that's why it's taking a long time. It's like eight hours or something like that. I mean, it's not. It's not minor. And it's this guy talking like this the whole time with a slightly English accent, and it's very good. <laughs> okay, cool. That or uh, or my suggestion or any of the other forty five thousand books in Audible are available for you to download. Once again audiblepodcast.com slash twip. Thanks for their support. We have listener questions, and as usual, we've burned up most of our time doing things but listener questions. I'm going to skip ahead to tell you something very important about next week's show. Because we have 252 kabillion, that's an official number, 252 kabillion listener questions in our database, next week's show is nothing but Q and A. Yep. We're not having any guests. We're not talking about photography news. We're not doing We're not anything. even talking about photography. We're just doing, yeah, whatever questions you have about life. No, we're going to do a photography, <laughs> a photography questions. Look out, Oprah. <laughs> we're going to answer your, we have so many piled up. We're going to answer your questions in one show. And it's our hope to do this every three to six months so we can get through the ones that we miss because we're screwing around. Um, <laughs> if you thought that today was a free-for-all, wait until we get yes. to the next Week. Yes, it will all begin with, tell me about your mother. Now, <laughs> if you were a tree. <laughs> focus, please. Can I just get you to focus for just a few more minutes and then you can go play? Uh, we do have a couple of questions we're going to get to. We have, we have too many to actually um, you know, deal with, but I, I, I want to just get to this one because this one really reaches me. Um, can you please tell me? Please. Please. This is an interesting question, the person says. This, by the way, is from Corard Miller. I'm, I'm unsuring pronouncing that right. How do you guys find the things you photograph? For example, what do you look for in opportune photos? Yeah, that's a good one. Thanks mm-hmm. very much again. And it's Corard, sort of like 
Discord with an A. I'm sorry, I didn't get it right. But so, how do we find the things that we are looking for to photograph? Fred, would you like to start? Sure, absolutely. You know, my forte or the things I like to photograph are people, models, that kind of stuff. Women. Um, <laughs> And particularly attractive female models. Not, you know, I was having this conversation with someone the other day. It's not necessarily about the model being attractive. It's sometimes it's better that they're not stunningly attractive because it's more yeah, of a and, challenge. And, lo- and looking you know? at your blog, I've seen tons of ugly girls. They were all just bad, you know. And I, yeah. you know, through photography, you know, <laughs> now they were all good looking. Um, but you know, the the way that I find or I get inspired is, you know, I, I read tons of magazines and books on photography. Um, as many as time allows, and I usually see something in there like, "Oh wow, I want to try that." You know, look at that. You know, and I, I have a little scrapbook, and I rip a page out and I stick it in there. Things to try later. Boy, that's a good tip. And then I, uh, you know, when I'm looking for inspiration, I go back through the book and say, "Oh yeah, I remember that. Let me go try that." Well, you know, um, I sp- I've interviewed a lot of writers, professional writers, and. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're sitting here talking while Scott is Scott's turning reading. his iPhone off. Uh, uh, it was supposed to be on Buzz, and I bumped it. Uh, I talked to a lot of writers, and I consistently ask them the same question. What do you do when you want to improve? How can you become a better writer? Every single writer, without exception, that I've asked that question to has said the same answer. They read. Mm-hmm. So guess what? You want to be a better photographer? Look at pictures, look at lots of them, look at lots of photos. And that is how, that's the same way I find pictures. I look at other pictures, I get ideas, I go, that's kind of interesting. Now, what if I mixed it with this idea? And then I go out and I try to find subjects that match the pre visualization that I've created. Ron, how about you? I think a lot of it's a mindset that you just sort of get into as you do it more and more. Because, you know, I'm, nowadays, it's just. Every time I'm walking around, I see something, my thoughts immediately go to, oh, I wonder, you know, could I take a cool picture of that? And I don't think that's really where my brain was at, you know, 10 years ago before I started doing this a lot. You know, you're just walking down the street, and you don't think that same way. So I think it's just a matter of constantly reminding yourself, uh, you know, should I pull a camera out? What if, and even if you don't have a camera with you, how would I turn that into a photo? Yeah, I think for for me, I think there's two things. One is that I, I tend to cut lots of photos. Now I do it digitally, but I used to when I when I started working on um, ads, I started cutting ad cutting photos out that I found uh, compelling. Anytime I saw a photo that I was like, oh, this is a great photo, I would. And now I have a tendency to save it. You know, I just I see it on the web and I'll just save that photo. Um, so that I can, uh, you know, it's kind of that inspiration. And what was interesting was I really started finding a look that I liked. I suddenly realized there was this this string of, of photos, a certain kind of look, wide angle, certain kind of color pat- patterns, and so on and so forth, that for, for whatever reason I was gravitating to, you know, for a, a, a lot of these um, uh, these pieces. And so I think that it helped me find what I like to take pictures of by looking at what what pictures I really enjoy looking at. When I look at them, I'm not worried about technically whether they're good. There's something about them that grab onto me. Um, the, uh, I think for me, the two things when I'm actually shooting are the 90% of the time, the reason I'm sh- taking a photo is because the conversation that's going on in my head at the moment is I want to remember this. I want to remember this moment. You know, I want to remember, you know, my son at this moment or I'm at a wedding. I want to, I, I, I want to remember this picture that I have of it. And I'm trying to use the camera to capture my memory, you know, mm-hmm. you know, of that. Not what actually was happening, but the way it is occurring for me um, at that moment. And sometimes it's behind the scenes of us working. Sometimes it's, you know, doing, it can be a variety. It might be a beautiful landscape. And so um, a lot of times for me, uh, it's how do I capture that, that memory 
um, you know, onto uh, on, into my camera. And that's that's usually what's going on in my head when I'm taking about 80% of the photos. The other 20% is mostly uh, it's a technology that I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, that's that's kind of the difference between my, I think that's, that's a line of demarcation between how I use my SLR and how I use my point and shoot. I mean, my point, right. my point and shoot, I generally, unless I'm doing something crazy, you know, I tend to use it for memory, memory enhancement. You know, right. I want to remember this moment, or I want to remember that, or you know, I'm at a party or something, I want to remember what was going on in this group of people. But when the, when the SLR comes out, you know, things get much more serious. You know, and I I tend to be a little more focused because you know, I have to say, my son, my son, who I think might be listening to this show, is Stephen. He's 11. Uh-huh. He gets very. It's so funny. He a point and shoot. He's just kind of taking photos, and you hand, I handed him an SLR with a lens baby. Um, nice. Last weekend, and I think we're, we're going to post either we have or we're going to post these. Other already, po- already did. They're, they're up on the. It's up on the on the blog, and uh, he gets very serious. Mm-hmm. Like he becomes a whole different person. Like he's That's not a lot of responsibility. Well, it's SLR. amazing though. It was amazing to see him become so focused on on. on and he takes, uh, admittedly. Um, he took better pictures over the that weekend than I did. Look at that. I mean, he's very, uh, he, he just, uh, and, and he had the little lens baby going back and forth, which, by the way, is the, the funnest lens ever made. That yeah, is awesome. And, um, and so, he, so he was sitting there work, working the lens baby and uh, really having a great time. So it's, uh, uh, it does, the SLR does change your focus um, a lot. Um, so anyway, that's it. Yep. I have time for one more question. And this is a really, really interesting question, which could actually evolve into an entire show and i don't want it to because we have very little time i'm ready i'm ready i don't got another appointment (laughs) no 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 no. so here's the question from ron boyd when is the best time to delete your images like when you get a shoot of four or five hundred images you start using lightroom or aperture or whatever tool you like and you start you know, crawling through there and saying, I like this one, I hate that one, I like this one, I hate that one. And you get maybe three or four that are close. At what point in time do you delete? He, he said, I want to know, when do the pros delete? Well, I'll start this one because um, this is very, very important in my opinion. I only delete images that are clearly out of focus or where the subject is clearly out of frame, or where there is such a profound technical difficulty with the shot that God can't save it. If it's close, I keep it forever. And here's an example of why. During the Monica Lewinsky scandal with President Clinton, a photojournalist who had just taken a random shot of a crowd of people shaking the president's hand, remembered seeing Monica Lewinsky's face in that crowd And when she became the object of news, he went through his archives, found this shot, which he'd never tried to publish because it wasn't that great a shot, but it showed Monica Lewinsky kissing the president on the cheek while she shook his hand, which gave new meaning to it. And the guy made like a gazillion dollars selling the shot. If he had thrown that one away, let me tell you, he'd have been beating his head against the wall for the rest of his natural life. So that's my answer. I keep them just forever because disc storage has become dirt cheap. I think that's really the point. I mean, it's it's so cheap to store it that you really got to have a good reason not to a, g- a good reason to delete something. I actually asked this exact question to John Stanmeyer, who people should Google him. He's one of the top photographers out there right now. He's a National Geographic photographer, among other things. And uh, he told me that the National Ge- Geographic has a policy that you do not delete photos. So when he finishes a shoot. You know, they require him to send everything over to them. Uh, you know, don't take anything off the cards because you never know when, when what's going to be useful or not. Yeah, I, I, I have to say that I um, 
I usually delete the, the the obviously really bad ones. You know, way out of focus. Way I delete them in the camera while I'm while I'm there because I don't want to deal with downloading them later. So I'll sit there anytime I have like dead time. Um, I'll sit you know while I'm shooting. I'll sit there and just kind of go through and go yeah 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 you know, delete 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 and I and I'll rip them off the card while I'm and, and I'm talking about ones that are clearly just way off the mark. Uh, what what Scott was referring to. Outside of that, I don't throw anything away. And, and I, w- I will say that you know knowing what's coming technology wise, some of those shots that are you know, out of focus or have a little motion blur, someday you're going to be able to fix those. I'm firmly convinced that, you know, in another 10 years, shots that are just technically wrong, most of that information is still in there, and you're probably going to be able to fix those shots. Yeah, so, I think that, I think for me, though, one, usually what happens is I shoot in groups. So if I'm, if I'm taking a picture of somebody, I don't take one photo of somebody, I take I, 30 you know, and so you know, so there's a, you know, and so the ones that are obviously off, I, I'm not too worried about losing them because I'm not, you know, they're, you know, the um, I take as I said, these huge sections. If I'm interested in something, I can see once again trying to capture that memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have a whole slew, a group of them, and if I lose one or two, I'm not too worried about it. Fred, yeah, yeah, I agree with both of you, all three of you guys. It's uh, you know, I very rarely <clears throat> delete any of the images unless they are just completely jacked up. But you know, on the on the other hand, with with great response, great power of disk space and, and storage space comes great responsibility, which means you, if you're going to keep everything, you damn well better have a good backup methodology going on because if you lose everything, it's going to be catastrophic. Well, that's all the time we have for questions this week. But remember, next week, it's nothing but questions, questions, questions. We won't be talking about anything else. We're just going to do questions. <laughs> so uh, send your questions in. We'll add them to the ones that we have, and we'll whip through them as fast as we can. We really appreciate your response. You all are as big a part of the show as we are. The The discussion groups are huge. There's up to, I think, 55 comments on one of the blog posts this week. Uh, we have a very active community. We want to keep it that way. Keep you involved. Keep it clean and pithy. Be friendly, nice, and helpful. And uh, make your comments known to us. You can get in touch with us by email right off the blog. You can leave comments on the blog at twipphoto.com. You can go to iTunes, of course, to download the show. You can join the Flickr group. You can leave stuff for us on Delicious at Twip ideas. There's all kinds of ways to get to us. We even read smoke signals on the fifth Thursday of every month. So get something to us. We'll try to react to it. Do want to say that uh, we like to end every show with a tip of the week. I'm going to do this week's tip. This week's tip is really simple. Research. Research. Everything you shoot will be improved if you research it. I was asked to do a couple of uh, tips for bird photographers. And what's the most important tip? Get this lens. Go to that place. Nope. The first And most important tip, for instance, for bird photography, and you can just draw a line there, take bird photography out, put any subject, is research. The more you know about your subject, the more likely you are to get a good shot. For instance, I have a lot of pretty spectacular photographs of eagles in flight. People are always, how did you get that eagle in flight so close? Well, simple. Eagles defecate right before they take off from the uh, tree that they're sitting in and so that's a pretty good signal that they're about to fly so when that happens i get my camera up and i start shooting if you're a sports photographer and somebody's on first base where do you put the lens not on first base on second because you're ready for the steal anticipation is based on knowledge knowledge is garnered through research so that's my tip this week research the crud out of your subjects and uh, fred does all the research he can on these beautiful girls when he's shooting them <laughs> you know absolutely and, uh, <laughs> I, you know it, it begins with a conversation all yeah. joking aside but yeah you want to get to know you if you're shooting people whether they're models or whatever you want to get to know your subject so that you can 
capture their essence better when you're when you're actually photographing essence is it essence yeah yeah lots of essences and then uh you know on top of that you want to if you're going to be shooting outdoors you want to make sure you actually visit that location or locations that you're going to be shooting at the time that you're shooting (laughs) yeah when you're shooting it'd be good if you were there no no no, no, i mean i mean at the same the same time of day because a lot of times you'll come in and you'll go oh this looks great and then you come in another time and it's at the time of day yeah 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 you don't want to if you you see a location looks beautiful you know at the magic hour right before sunset and you go shoot at noon you're going to get completely different results so yeah like scott was saying research 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 do your homework and the the net of all that is when you're shooting just like when you're say you're giving a public uh speech or something if you don't prepare for that public speech you're going to be nervous if you prepare for your shoot you'll be much more confident when you click that shutter that's the tip of the week and if you want to uh, let us know what you think the tip of the week should be we're willing to let you participate that level of the show too so give us a uh, email or drop it into delicious so that's all the time we have i want to thank um our guest christian for stopping by also want to say thanks to the panel here ron brakeman coming out with his new book soon where can people get a hold of you ron if they want to see what else you're up to uh, best place right now is digitalcomposting.com. Doing a little blog stuff there. I just put up a series of photos of um, a couple of hummingbirds that hatched in my backyard and were hanging out, which is kind of fun. That was very uh, nice. And Twittering on uh, Ron Brinkman. Okay. And we, of course, can't forget our buddy Fred. Fred, where would you like folks to uh, chase you down? Well, they can, you know, to check out Lightroom, they can go to adobe.com slash Lightroom or to follow me um, if they'd like to. They can head to my blog at frederickvan.com. And from there, you can link to my Facebook, Flickr, and Twitter. My gosh. Uh, Mr. Lindsay. It's all about the Twitter. It's all about the Twitter now. <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> Twitter.com slash Alex Lindsay. Yeah, I just noticed that we started following each other after yes. all these years. Yes, after I'm, I'm just going in circles. Along. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So just Twitter, Twitter.com slash Alex Lindsay and I put up all kinds of crazy and stuff. And you can also go to the Pixel Core to find out more about Pixelcore.com, Pixelcore.tv, dvgarage.com, all those things. Basically, uh, just type random text and you'll reach Alex. <laughs> just Google and, uh, Alex Lindsay. There you and go. It'll First all link. show up. And you can follow me on Twitter if you'd like. I'm at just uh, twitter.com slash scottborne, all one word, S-C-O-T-T-B-O-U-R-N-E, like the Bourne identity. No, I'm not getting my royalties. Or you can visit my personal website full of my avian pictures. That would be Burge for those of you who are unaware. Uh, that's avianstock.com. Dot com. It's been great being with you. We are so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for your response. It's really a lot of fun for us to be four months into a show and have it constantly rate high on iTunes, get all this traffic, get all of your responses. It lets us know that you like what we're doing. And uh, we're looking forward to doing it again for you next week. So until the next episode, we're going to put the lens cap right back on. <laughs> <laughs>